We're back again. We are Mr. Worldwide. We're joined from <laughs> good old Jeff in Kenya. How you doing, my man? Me and Carsten are in. I'm doing great, geez. I'm doing great. I can't complain. It's, 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 it's been amazing. I've been out here for like a week now, I think. Um, it's a, I can't, I've got so much to say, but yeah, it, it's, it's been an amazing time. It's been an amazing time. Looking very festive, my man. Looking very festive indeed. Indeed. It's Christmas every day over here. Every day is Christmas. This is it in itself. So before we get into like the bits we want to talk about beforehand, we had um, a few questions itself. Like with going over to Kenya in itself, what was travel restrictions like? Was there much issues going in? What's the situation like over there? Is it locked down a lot? Is it business as usual? What's it like? Right. Um, so getting here wasn't an issue. The, 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 the main problem or the main um, obstacles that I encountered were in regards to visas and things of that nature because I used my British passport to get here. And I think around January, mid-January, the Kenyan government said anyone who wants to come to Kenya has to apply for the visa online. Uh, back in the day, you just get to the airport, you pay $50, get your visa, you get in. But now everything's online, so you have to do this. And it's down to this COVID, so they need to trace every single person. So in terms of where you came from, even down to the, air, to the airplane, you came on, the seat number, it, it, it's a ridiculous situation. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you the whole story of the journey, how I got here. So... I just woke up one day, but I, I, I'm fed up with the UK. This this lockdown nonsense, it's got a lot of people depressed, a lot of people tired. And for me, if if something is bad or if I feel something's not going right, I do something about it. You know what I mean? I either remove myself from that situation or I change my environment. And that's what I decided to do, um, to change my environment. So I came home. So what I done, I just booked a flight. Um, very straightforward. The, the, the tickets are quite cheap right now because not a lot of people are flying. So I've done that. And the next step, um, I had to uh, apply for a visa online, uh, the Kenyan visa. So I started the process and I felt it was just too long. The questions they were asking, I couldn't even bother asking, answering them. So I spoke to my cousin who works at the airport in Kenya. He told me you can apply for the visa when you get here. I said, fine, that's one thing sorted out. Um, now, the next thing with this COVID situation, the Kenyan government requires you to have um, a QR code. Uh, this essentially lets them know uh, where you came from. Um, your health status and so on and so forth. Again, the phone's online, it's on the Kenyan government website. Uh, I started filling it, questions again were too annoying for me, I left it. I said, I'll deal with that some other time. So I got my passport, my Kenyan passport, my British passport. My Kenyan passport expired like 10 years ago, give or take, 2004 expired, 2005. Um, so I got that. Um, it's, uh, it's expired, but it still shows that I'm a Kenyan citizen. Rather, I was born in Kenya. So I go to the airport, I get to Heathrow. Um, I tell him, listen, I'm going to Kenya on business. Because obviously that. Um, so this ties into the Make first up. point. Uh, yeah, it ties into the first point that comes with these books. Um, time to shift into sugar, right? Uh, opportunistic, uh, being, being opportunistic. Uh, taking opportunities that are in front of you in this season. So I thought to myself, it's the right time to go and launch this business back home. So I got to the airport and I told them, listen, uh, I'm going on a business trip. Um, so the lady, he told her, I don't have this QR code. Um, my cousin walks to the airport, he told me I could just apply for my visa and all that stuff and I get to the other side. Um, I showed him both my passports. I showed him, you see, I'm a Kenyan. Well, I was born in Kenya. I was born in Kenya, rather. Um, so I've got the passport, I need to go renew it as well. Uh, so that's another thing. I said, I'm going to renew my passport and then I'm going to go launch this business. And she told me, fine, you can go through. But she told me, before you get there, just in case you get into, you get into problems with the other side or you get to Kenya regarding this QR code, 
she gave me the link to the website. I already knew the link, but for the other one, I'll take it. So that's the first step. I'll go through Heathrow that way. Um, the next stop was in France. Um, yeah, in Paris. Yeah, so I get to Paris. Uh, get from security, no issues. Um, and then I had a three-hour wait. So in that three hours, I'm just taking it all in. Uh, the, the, the whole situation is very different. Like, normally the airport is quite vibrant, but now everything's shut down. Um, the normal places, like you'd have food and drinks, they're all shut down, so it's fast. Uh, you buy stuff and you have to go eat somewhere else. Um, most of the shops are closed. It, it looks very weird. One thing that I noticed, a lot of people um, are wearing hazmat suits. First of all, I thought these guys were actually uh, cleaning up the airport, but we're just normal tourists in hazmat suits and these crazy masks. And, like, it looks so ridiculous. I saw someone in a hazmat suit wearing um, carrying Gucci bags and Chanel bags. I'm like, what is this? It looks so ridiculous. But that's the reality of the situation out there. So anyway, um, that is the first time uh, I kind of got into, I got to understand how serious this whole thing is. So when I'm getting a connecting flight from France to Nairobi, um, they measure your temperature using them guns. Mm -hmm. So obviously they want to make sure you, know, you don't have a fever, whatever it is, and you actually have a fever. So that's fine. And then they asked me about this QR code, uh, which I didn't have. I told them, listen, the guys in Heathrow confirmed that I can apply for this one and go to the other side. Heathrow is a very big airport. And obviously when I speak with my confidence, the way I speak, uh, I speak with authority. It was fine, yeah, you go through. Uh, I told him I'd get this thing done when I get to the other side, finally get on the plane. Uh, the planes are very, very much so empty. Like I'm walking through business class, I'm um, going to where my seat is, the whole, the whole business class is empty. Where I was sat, um, it's usually like three chairs. Well, the whole place was empty, so I actually got to lie down, sleep as if I'm at home. So that's one thing. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of space in these planes, you know. So these airports, these airlines, well, they need passengers because the profit margins are very thin. So they will do anything to get people on board. Um, they even sell you extra upgrades. Like for example, I think I paid uh, like forty euros to choose a specific seat that's got more legroom. Um, Why? Which basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <all> you. <laughs> yeah, and even on the flight from Heathrow to Paris, I paid like 11 euros to get extra leg group. So they're trying to make as much money as possible because all businesses are crushed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, so that's that's the, the, the trip to Kenya. So I get the flight, I uh, get the plane, uh, I get to Heathrow. So I get to JKIA Nairobi like 6.30 in the morning. And this is where the problem started regarding this COVID nonsense and all these QR codes. So this lady, um, she's just shouting, um, PCR, that certificate, you need to get a PCR certificate to prove you can fly. So she's saying PCR certificate and QR code. I'm telling her, what is this QR code you keep speaking of? She just keeps repeating the same thing. I got fed up with this. Uh, another guy uh, who was working there, he came to me and he told me, okay, this is what you need to do. She, he, he showed me the link. Um, the one, the same lady at the airport in um, Ifa told me about. So I completed the form uh, and it generates um, that, like a report. Uh, it, sh it should be done instantly. Um, but mine took like three hours to go through, but that wasn't an issue. So because I use my email address and my phone number, it instantly goes to the guys at the Kenya airport. So you just give them your phone number, your email address, and then they see the report. So that report essentially says, um, we got this flight from this airport. Uh, this is the airplane number, you sat in this seat, um, you're staying here, wherever it is. So I told him where I'm staying, wherever, wherever I'm doing here, business, whatever it is. Fairly straightforward question. So that's fine. 
get through that, that this is where um, the final kind of step in the process was for the visa situation. Like I remember I told you, you need to apply for the visa online. And again, this is where the power of words, the ability to talk, uh, to talk your way out of issues comes in. So I told him, listen, my cousin works in this airport. That I mentioned him by name, they know him. So listen, he told me I can apply for this visa right here. Um, and I told him, listen, I've got my driver waiting for me outside. I'm tired. What do I need to do to get this sorted out? So they told me, listen, because you do have the Kenyan passport, so we can see you actually were a citizen at one point. Um, tell me next time, you have to do this online, but we'll just let you go through with this single entry visa. So I paid the $50. Um, they, they got the visa done for me. And I went through, and that's why I went to the country. You know, it was a long process, but the key things I will tell you is just be confident and just be truthful because I came in for business and um, I use my connections, the people that I know. And again, it goes to this point that I keep saying, turn shit into sugar. Like I saw an opportunity to leave the country, to freshen my mind. And more importantly, um, just to kind of show you guys over there, you don't have to be trapped. You don't have to live in this prison that's been created with this situation. Because now we are free spirits. We don't, we don't let anything stop us, right? So that's how I go into the country. So there's a lot in that sort of breakdown, obviously. Right, two seconds. So with the shit into sugar sort of thing, there's a few things with that I'm sort of a bit, not a bit confused, I'm going to be honest, because again, the general idea that there's a bad situation, you can find an opportunity. Is that the extent of it? Is there more into it in itself? Because again, what is it more in depth as such? Because again, what you I'm trying to understand is you were saying about there was an opportunity there to go back to Kenya and expand on this business sort of adventure as such. But yeah. is that more the general shit of the situation of COVID and the opportunity to take the sugar in Kenya? Or is it more just reevaluating the existing situation? What, what is it about that situation that made that analogy work as such? So I'm just a bit confused. So it's, it's generally like the whole um, attitude or the climate in general, because a lot of people right now, they feel a bit lost. Because I speak to a lot of people, like people come to see me all the time. Um, so most businesses, as you can see, they're, they're moving online, right? Everyone's going to make the transition to be digital. Um, so for me, the opportunity of turning shit into sugar is the world may be burning in terms of businesses um, kind of collapsing, but you can always find a way to turn that into something positive. So in the midst of chaos, I always see opportunity. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's what it is. I... I, I tend to see the, the positives in any situation, regardless of how bad it is. Yeah, mm. it's all about perspective, you know what I mean? I think where these so things get a bit tricky, so I thought you finished, mate. So where these situations get a bit sort of tricky, such as people already have these commitments in certain areas that are already struggling. So again, when it comes to any kind of like economic kind of issue, certain like markets are going to expand, some are going to sort of shrink, some are going to even collapse. And again, it's where you can actually make these moves. Because again, if you already got your investment in a gym, for example, your time, your energy and emotions again, because again, like say, take Knots of May, for example, you guys train there, love there, everything. You're very part of that gym. Obviously, gyms are sort of dying at the minute. So that kind of market is then at a decline. If you're invested financially in that gym to then sort of say, okay, put that to one side or go somewhere else, it gets quite a, it's a, it's a bigger sort of task than the sort of thing. Because again, this is where, these conversations are very important, but again, it needs to be sort of said with a pinch of salt. Cause again, like this is where <laughs> you see the influencers in Dubai sort of saying, you know, it's not too bad. Don't worry guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it kind of, 
and a yacht fucking sipping mojito. Is it? Is Jeff and Ken? You're like, yeah, don't worry, guys. Have social distance. We can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it, 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 kind of, it doesn't apply to everyone. That's a, it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing people have to remember. You just have to make the situation work for you, you know? Like, for example, like, with the gym thing, obviously, gyms are shut down. Uh, people cannot train. So most people, people didn't start doing online classes, right? So certain gyms kind of cut the memberships to, like, maybe 50%, whatever it is. So you, they do, like, Zoom classes, you know? So you still get that interaction with our gym members. It's not physical, but at least you get to work with someone. It keeps the businesses afloat. Uh, it keeps people occupied. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's not one size fits all. It just has to suit your situation. But for mm. me, again, you have to remember, uh, I'm an outlier in terms of, I've been working on the internet since I was a kid. Mm. So I've always, I've always told myself this. I remember in 1999, um, when we're going into the year 2000, there was this Y2K thing. I don't remember this. Mm. I was five. Uh, the yeah, com yeah, remember that. That's when companies like PayPal came into being and so on and so forth. At that time, I told myself, if there's another crisis of this nature, I'm going to capitalize on it. So the next one that came, um, this was in 2008, um, the financial crisis. Remember the housing market crisis where Northern Rock collapsed and all these things. Um, it's that, at that time, was, uh, I was about to get into university. No, I was, I was getting into university. So that's when I decided I'm going to understand finance. I'm going to read as much as possible about this. I was actually set, I was buying and selling shares um, 2006, 2007. I was in college back then. So I've always been aware of what the situation is in that kind of, in that kind of element. Uh, but at that time, obviously, I couldn't do much because I was still fresh. But then this time, when this crisis happened, I had enough knowledge to kind of capitalize on the situation. But again, like I said, I've always been on the internet. Mm. You know what I mean? We're the internet babies. Um, we look at guys like um, Soldier Boy, for example. Hey. Soldier Boy was the first artist of my story. <laughs> yeah. My friend used to call me Soldier Boy. Oh, they used to call me Soldier Boy, I don't know why. But Soldier Boy, he, he was the first, he was the first artist on the internet, on YouTube, I think it was. Yeah, and look at where he is. He, he was a trendsetter. People used to clown him a lot, but you can see what he's done. YouTube, YouTube's got a lot of money now. I don't know how, how much money it is, but everyone's trying to be a YouTuber or whatever it is. But Soldier Boy was one of the first people to see this back in 2006. I think it was like 15 or something. And he's made a career off the internet. So I've been watching these things from the sidelines. You remember MySpace, right? MySpace taught us, without thinking, it taught us how to code. Because you remember you used to have this weird looking backgrounds, changing all these things. So we were all learning um, without realizing what we were learning. But for me, I always, told myself this, whatever knowledge I'm gaining, I'm going to find a way to use it down the line. So when this crisis happened, this whole COVID situation, I thought to myself, okay, I've got enough knowledge in the digital space. Um, I know how to make products like clothes and so on and so forth. I'm just going to combine those and then I'm going to do something with it. Um, I don't know how far it's going to go, but I'm just going to give it a try and here we are. So just to preface a few things, whenever I sound like I'm sort of nitpicky making these sort of comments, a lot of this is trying to understand it to a further extent with a bit of sort of testing it. I've not got a bias either side of the point you're making, just to sort of make it clear I'm not trying to sort of nitpick certain things. Yeah, um, something you mentioned there about um, YouTube I like a lot. Now, with YouTube, when we say about markets and trends and everything else, that's very on the nose. Like, literally, people are copying trends as they are called trends. And that's where you can see how markets can react, people can reflect, and also what you're saying there about opportunity and crisis and things like that. People are working around things, how they adapt. Because, again, you see 
content channels like i don't know sidemen for example they used to do yeah. all these big outlandish sort of outdoor very interpersonal things and they found ways around things in version mm. of zoom related stuff and again it's very much you have to rethink your parameters sometimes okay this is what i have to play with and again it's a whole you need the structure to have the freedom you know what you can do so in that bubble you can then play with certain things and again if everyone listening this the preface is this is if the opportunity is there for you everything take into account we're not trying to generalize because where i get concerned with is people using looping statements and generalizing very specific things and this is something yeah. we're not trying to do we're very if you have the tools available to you you have potential to do certain things obviously everyone's got their own situations let's try and not say everything's as hunky-dory as it is i can actually stop any karen's having a comment but we'll see what happens Carsten, i'm concerned i'm talking over you quite a bit do you want to chime with anything at all i don't want to no no i i disagree with what you were saying there that it is you know, it's, it's very specific to different people. Um, I mean, myself in my situation, obviously the tattoo studios have been closed. The gyms have been closed. There's not a lot for me to do sort of like sat in the UK right now. Obviously, you know, I was living in Thailand for the last sort of like year and a half diving and stuff like that. So I've still got my diving to do. So I've actually, I'm, I'm looking in, I'm the same as Jeff. I'm trying to get out of the country and, you know, I'm looking to go over to Mexico because Mexico is a big destination for diving obviously throughout the world and you know I've got my diving to use so I might as well use something that I've got available that I can still do right now in the current sort of climate I know Boris Johnson's you know revealed that we're coming out of the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff and we're going to have different dates for different things to go back but that really depends on the 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 R level of of the um, you know the infection and stuff like that so we don't know if <clears throat> for these dates that he's saying like everybody's getting excited that on the 12th of april you know gyms are going to be wide open and you know tight studios are going to be back working and stuff like that but i i just don't personally see it um and you know we're going to be you know back to normal life by you know the 21st of june and everybody's you know, you know creating these massive celebrations they're going to go out and go go on the lash for three days and stuff like that but i just don't see how that's going to happen because everybody in the UK, whatever's happened with this virus and stuff at the moment, as soon as they got an opportunity, it's they fully dive into it and everybody goes crazy. And then the R number starts getting up again and it just kind of, you know, ruins it for everybody else who's been a little bit more safe about it. So, you know, with, with all, with all that happening, I just, I'm, I'm really sort of like being a bit reserved when it comes to, you know, planning of going back to work on the 12th, of, of uh, April and going back to the gym on whatever date they said they were going to open gyms for. So at the moment, I'm actually looking to get away myself and go over to Mexico and actually use my diving for the next few months. While UK sorts itself out over here, I'm going to go over to, to Mexico maybe and, uh, and use my diving to, to, to actually generate some money for myself and, and a little bit more of a, a normal lifestyle um, if we, you know, we're ever going to go back to the normal lifestyle. I like that a lot for a lot of different reasons with that. Sorry, Jeff, I'll let you go in a second. But with that, there's a few things to really note. The f- one thing you said about things going back to normal in inverted commas. So the reason why it's inverted commas, because yes, restrictions may be lifted to a certain extent, but people's behavior won't be the same. People won't be as flippant just to sort of go in and socialize and interact the same kind of way. Yes, there's us jujitsu rats who don't care about any sort of infections, unless it's ringworm. We just get stuck in regardless. But to the normal people who actually care about hygiene, <laughs> the idea of like COVID is terrifying. And yeah. They can't, it's very, it's not very humanly to sort of <coughs> polarizing from I'm terrified of this to okay, it's gone now, bye. That's not how things work. And uh, to guarantee that doesn't make sense. But also, to Jeff's point, we made earlier about seizing an opportunity and taking where you can go with this. You've then found within the restrictions where you can travel to a place where your, opportun- your opportunities are now available to you again. Because the uh, whole 
rethink relearn what the insensitive sort of tone was this is the current environment this is what's still available you can still do this instead however if you've really got all your time invested in your emotions and everything else why would you turn why would you just put that to one side so again i like that point a bit more i, th- I felt you made more impact with that point than you think you might may have already said so i wanted to give you a bit more i don't know let you know yeah, and just to add on to that, sorry to cut you off, sorry to add to the cost, and you, you've covered two points again. So uh, I started off with turning shit into sugar. And then the things you just mentioned, you've covered two points, um, seeing things for what they are and to keep it moving. So these three points are from the 50th floor. That's uh, the book of 50 Cent Road. So seeing things for what they are, like you said, this is the reality of the situation. Do not know what normal is, but for me, this is normal now. This is what it is. I see for what it is, right? and keep it moving, calculated momentum. So for me, I saw that things have kind of slowed down back in the UK, but things are moving in, in Kenya. So I came here, same thing with you said in Mexico, it's big for diving. So you're trying to go over there and keep working on that. So that's the momentum side of things. And again, seeing things for what they are. Um, you know that gyms are kind of shut down, the tattoo studios are shut down, but you can still do something when you go to Mexico and other part of the world. So, yeah, it kind of encapsulates what I'm trying to say. Um, you've covered it perfectly. Yeah, man. Hundred percent. So, Jeffy, what was your next point you were going to make? Yeah. So the the other one. So this is the 48 laws of power. So we've covered the 50th floor, the three points in that book. So the other one was our conceal your intentions. Um, like I said, I had a plan for 1999. I didn't tell a lot of people what the plan was. Um, and as time goes on, the plan kept changing. You meet new people, you get into new situations. It kind of changes how the whole the whole thing is. But at the end of the day, the goal is really simple. I'm going to capitalize on the next crisis. And um, I always kept my intentions kind of hidden. Because sometimes when you speak too loud, if you say certain things before they're ready, people might start putting ideas in your head which throw you off the mission. And that's why I'm, I'm very quiet. As much as I like cracking jokes and saying a lot of nonsense, I don't really speak too much about what I'm doing. You know what I mean? People, people just see the actions. Uh, this is a perfect example. This is probably the biggest, the biggest plan I've ever had in my 31 years of living that I've ex- executed. And it shocked a lot of people. So I always kept my intentions hidden because that way you, you, keep, you, keep, you keep refining the ideas in your head. So when you speak them, into existence, you are very confident that you've done as much as possible because you, you don't want to speak about stuff before you're ready to reveal it to the world. And that's why you need to understand uh, keeping secrets is important. Um, keeping intentions hidden is important. Um, so yeah, so uh, for example, when I when I was starting fighting, I was, um, I was sitting with my friends in university. This is in 2010, I believe. We were watching Grumpy Jackson fight um, Rashad Evans. Oh, banger. <laughs> you remember the fight? So, so at this time, I've been, been boxing for like two years on and off. So I told my boys, listen, I'm, I'm going to do this one day. And oh, they thought I was joking. All right, fair enough. I finished university, moved back to Liverpool. Uh, I'm looking for a boxing gym. I couldn't find one. Uh, the next thing I found um, was an MMA gym called Gym 21. Uh, the first lesson um, I kind of went to, we were, we, were, we were learning how to do heel hooks, right? I never saw anything like that in my life. This is in 2011. We're doing heel hooks, right? So I was like, okay, this, this is very new. This is, it's violence, but it's not the kind of violence I'm used to. 
but I'm going to keep doing it because I told my boys I'm going to do this one day and this is the opportunity. Again, it's turning shit into sugar. I couldn't find a boxing gym. I found an MMA gym, so I took that and run with it. Fast forward two years, um, I want to say it was 31st um, of March, 2013. I had my, uh, my first uh, amateur fight. And this is where you kind of let the world see what your intentions are, because I did it my intentions for a while, but now it was time for people to see what I was doing. And I remember the first fight, um, everyone was there, all my friends from university, the guys I was working with on Microsoft, um, I had about 27 or 30 people come watch me. And it's a lot of pressure, like being in that situation because you always dream of being in that moment, but once it kind of happens, it's, 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 it's a lot to take in. But again, I'm used to this kind of pressure. It's normal. Um, yeah, fast forward, we're here now, 2021, 16 fights in, two titles. Um, about to go pro. Uh, again, I never let anyone sway me from a mission. Oh, we've got t-shirts as well. You can see that, the logo. Um, <laughs> so that's the thing. I never let anyone sway me from a mission. I just told my friends, listen, I'm going to do this one day. And I stuck on the mission. I just kept training. Um, I never stopped. Even with the losses, I never stopped. I just kept pushing forward. Um, so, yeah. So there's a few things oh, that so I want to sort of ask about. Sorry, a bit of feedback again. I'm not too sure where that came from. But so, yeah, the points I want to make on this, you made, you might not making your intentions known to everyone. So I like and don't like some of that. So as much as you get a lot of naysayers, you get a lot of people who will say, don't do this because of this, that, and the other. But in the same breath, would you not like to know all the factors involved from relevant people? So again, like, obviously you wouldn't go to like, I don't know, your milkman saying, oh, I want to do MMA, but like, oh, no, you're mental. But you go to the boxing coach, say, I want to do MMA. They say, okay, you need to work on your hands. You see what I mean? There's the people you go to. Is that not something you'd want to at least get guidance from the right people from or is it purely an internal thing of just knowing what you want to know it's 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 an internal thing for me because i always say this you you know your true self better than anyone else like there's the internal voice that's always speaking to you uh, your conscience people call it that voice will never lead you astray and when you do things when you pay attention to that voice the right people will find you like for me when i went to gym 21 i remember uh, I went on a Saturday, so I, I, I did the, the first class where we did the hill walks. It was about 30 people, give or take. And then on Saturday, I went there Saturday morning. I was the only person there. And my coach, um, he asked me, do you want to fight? I was like, yes, I want to fight. So he, he, he taught me for like an hour. I was the only person in that class. And George, he's been my, he's been my, he's been my coach, he's been my guide since then. So the right people will find you as long as you stay true to yourself, the right people will find the same thing with casting. When I moved to Nottingham in 2013, um, I went to one of his classes. Um, I think he was preparing to fight one of my training partners from Liverpool. I can't remember what his name is. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I told him, yeah, I told him, you're going to smash this guy. Not <laughs> disrespect, because I know him. I told him, you're going to beat this guy. But I don't think you fought him, but... Oh, no, no, same yeah. Thing. no. Yeah. yeah, you remember you remember that guy, yeah. So same thing, Carson's been there. He's been there for my whole journey because I stay true to my intentions. I'm going to keep fighting and the right people will find me. Obviously, you, you keep your intentions hidden, but to the right people, you let them know what the plan is. Um, and concealing your intentions, it ties into uh, the second point from the 48 Laws of Power, which is always say less than necessary. So when I told my friends I'm going to fight, um, I didn't tell them when, I just told them I'm going to do this. Um, and then they saw the results. Um, so yeah, the right people that will find you, um, 
but you don't have to say everything to everyone. You just know deep inside what you're trying to do and just stay on the mission, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of these things in itself, sorry, Carson, I'll let you go in a second. Okay, mate. Is the articulation. So initially you have this vision. I, I could tell you, I've got this picture in my head of the next fight I'm going to have. It's going to go X, Y, and Z. I can tell you that how the canvas is going to feel. I can tell you how the kicks are going to land, all this kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean shit until you see it. These are just words. And even then, it's like, if you have this amazing painting in your head, if you can't draw properly, it's going to look like a fucking mess. And this is where the articulation is so important. And this is where I feel understanding your vision and also developing the instruments to then display this, it becomes another thing in itself. And that's why you need these people to help guide you and help draw this picture for you. So this is where telling the intentions to the people that are relevant is where I feel that's where the weight for that comes from. And this is why I'm trying to sort of understand the further, further points you're making with this. And I like how you're say less, so say enough sort of thing. So it's enough that you're sort of saying, I'm going to fight. So you're a looping statement. Okay, they don't know when. There's no eventually at some point. Okay. Every time they see some sort of fire, that's Jeff saying, all right, cheers, mate, nice one. It's sort of, you know, it's on the radar, but there's no, like, oh, be there, be the square tomorrow. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's, you're not setting yourself restrictions or limits. Now, when your first fight was then booked and confirmed, did you invite everyone there for it in itself? Is it something you told them reluctantly? Is it something you said with chest? What is the actual experience like at that point? Um, I told him because for me, I'm very confident in anything I do. Because mm. at that time, I knew I was ready to do this. And I remember my coach, when we were actually driving, um, we was driving from, I think, St. Helens, because I used to train at three different gyms. I trained at Gym 21 on Saturday from 11 to 1 p.m. And then from 2 to 3, I think, or from 4 to 5, I trained at St. Helens at Hammer. And then from six to seven, I go lift weights. So I'd, I'd be training about six or seven hours on Saturday. It was like a full-time job for me. So one time I'm driving for St. Helens, um, and, he, and he asked me, um, do you want to fight? Do you, do you think you're ready? I told him, yeah, I'm ready. And he told me, fine, um, I'll book a fight for you. If your coach tells you he, he sees that you're ready to fight, and I've always felt that I've ready to fight. From the first day I went to the gym, I wanted to fight, but obviously I wasn't ready. So for him to confirm to me that you're ready to fight, I knew it was go time. So I, I told all my friends, listen, I'm fine on this day. Come and see me in it. Because I knew all the things I've been doing leading up to this, it's now time for the world to see like what my intentions were. You know what I mean? So the confidence that I had in myself, um, as soon as my coach confirmed that, yes, I'm ready for this, I had to let the world know. Because either way, they were going to find out. These videos are going to end up on YouTube, mm. you know? They're going to see that I'm fighting. They, they would have known regardless. So, yeah, so I told him I'm fighting on this date. Come and see me. If I get beaten up, so whatever. I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to try my best to destroy him respectfully because he's going to try to do the same thing to me. And there you go. When you say about wanting to fight in the first place, obviously there's the whole hiding your intentions. But yeah. with that in itself, is that part of the same vein of, okay, I'm going to fight? Do they think it's just that fight in itself? Do you mean you're going to expand the whole career with it? What does that mean from your point of view in that state? Obviously, hiding your intentions, but is it not even just a definitive, I'm going to be a, a fighter, as in this is going to be who I am now? Or is it more, I'm going to get to that stage? What does that statement actually mean to you at that point from that vision? Um, honestly, at that point, when I was fighting, when I, when I was uh, preparing for this first fight, I never thought I was going to make a long career out of it. 
I was just trying to be like my hero. So I was watching guys like GSP, uh, Rampage, Rashad, um, um, BJ Penn. I just wanted to be like those guys. That's what I wanted to do. I never knew how far I was going to go with this. I just said I'm going to fight. And however far I take this, we'll see what happens. And again, the mission is the same. I'm just going to keep training, get better every day. And eventually, um, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to be like my heroes in it. And I may even surpass my heroes. Because, I mean, I don't think a lot of fighters that I've come across um, have achieved what I've achieved. And I only feel I'm only getting started, you know. So, yeah, the, the mission wasn't to be like a famous fighter or anything. I, I was just doing it because I loved it. And I said, I'm going to do it for as long as I can. As long as I can physically do it, I'm going to keep doing it. That's what it was. And as you, as you keep that, that same spirit, opportunities start arising. And when, when you look back and you realize what you've done, you see like, wow, okay, I've, I've achieved the goal and I've actually exceeded it. Because I never thought I'd be fighting for titles. I just thought I'd be punching people, fighting here and there. And then I'm just gonna go continue my career, rub this iron, whatever it is. And then, you know, but yeah, it was very simple. Just train as much as I can and just hope for the best. I mean, that's a huge thing in yeah, itself. Again, it's the whole thing of the harder you work, the luckier you get, and the more opportunity to present themselves. Like, okay, how, how likely are you to get a title shot if you've never trained before? Never. What's the, the one in a million rocky chance that happens? Okay, not going to happen. You're training frequently. Okay, you might get a fight, you might get an opportunity. Someone steps in last minute. Okay, and okay, you're winning a couple of fights. Okay. They've got a list of names to choose from. Okay, the guy who's on a three-fight tear and um, his weight vacancy, your weight category. Oh, look. Look how lucky you are now. You've got the opportunity. What a surprise. And I'll tell you what, guys, we'll take a quick break there while we give us a quick shout yeah. out to our sponsors, the English Hypnotist. So with English Hypnotist, for everyone who's not familiar with his work, what it is is really about develop, uh, developing your mental side of your, anything you do, whether it's fighting, in the office, in the business. Again, it's how you take your things to the next stage, how you believe in yourself, how you talk to yourself. Again, I was very reluctant with my first session with him, but I swear by him, absolutely swear by him. And we're back again. So, Jeff, what is the next point on your list of points to go through? Yes. Um, so the next one um, was finding fearlessness. So this one's from Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. So another book of 50 Cent. So finding fearlessness. Right. The, the biggest obstacle in people achieving anything, from what I found out, is fear. You know, because I've done this so many times. I ask people, okay, you want to do this. What's stopping you? Um, I don't have enough time. Okay. A dig in. Okay, so if you if you if you say you need maybe ten minutes a day to do this, right? We've worked out ten minutes a day. You still not doing it? What's going on? Um, I don't feel confident. Or why do you feel confident? Because I'm scared what people think about me. So fear, fear is, is, is the biggest. Fear can be a motivator, or it can it can it can crush you in it. And people face the fearlessness in different ways. For us guys, we we physically embrace or we, we face our fears physically because as cage fighters, the reason why people love fighters is because we we embody the human experience because the human experience is fighting, you know, it's fighting. So when we physically do it, pe people can relate to that. It doesn't matter what people are from, whichever language to speak, people understand fighting, they understand that. And the biggest fear for humans <clears throat> is physical harm. And for us guys confronting this, on a regular basis, we face our fears. And that's why you find anything you do outside of the cage, you find it so easy because you you essentially, you train yourself to, I would say to kill people, but you train yourself to harm people. But at the same time, you train yourself to defend others mm. from that. Uh, 
kind of situation. And it goes both ways. So yes, you do get scared when you get into the cage when when a fight's about to take place. And you need that fear because that's what drives you to kind of protect yourself. Uh, at the same time, if you let that fear consume you, you may not perform well in the cage, but if you use that fear to kind of push you forward, self-preservation, there you go. If you use that fear, um, you can achieve great things. So for me, the biggest thing I always tell people is finding your fearlessness and confronting it. Um, it, could be any, it could be anything like bungee jumping. People may be scared of that. That may be how you face your fears. Yeah, it could be like for you, Carson, like um, scuba diving. People may be scared of water or swimming. That's how you face your fears. Uh, but for me, I, I wouldn't say that my biggest fear was fighting because I've always been confrontational even as a kid. So I always knew I loved, I loved that kind of side of that kind of side of things. So for me, I tell people just find find a way to face the fearlessness. For some people, you may be performing in front of a crowd, like singing or whatever it is. Um, and the reason why I do all these things is to show people that, yeah, I may be scared of this, but I'm still going to do it. it. It doesn't matter. It's not It's not going to hurt me. Um, people's opinions don't really affect you because at the end of the day, it's what you think about yourself that matters, um, that inner voice. So that's the biggest thing I always tell people. Find a way to face your fearlessness, to face your fears, rather. Um, it doesn't mean that being fearless um, makes you reckless, whatever it is. It just means you are aware of uh, what's holding you back and you're finding a way around it, you know? And that's why I think we all love our martial arts and fighting because it's, it's deeper than just being violent. It's, it's a spiritual thing, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's like one of the biggest thing. Face your fears, find a way to confront your fears. Whatever it is you're scared of doing it, just do it, you know? I, mean, I can't say anything beyond that. Just find a way to face your fears. I know everyone, Everyone's different in terms of how they approach these things. Not everyone's got the same kind of confidence I've got. But down the line, you eventually find a way to kind of express yourself and face your fears. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the key thing um, from that book that I took, from that particular um, Hustle Harder, Hustle, hustle Smart book, it was face your fears. Because that's what holds people back, fearlessness, rather being fearful. Yeah. What are you scared of? Yeah. What are you scared of now? Come on. Is there anything you want to um, add, Carsten, before I go on a bit of a, a long, waffling rant about things? No, I, I think that's bang on. And it's something that I've spoken about with a lot of people over the years is, um, you know, we're all scared of a million fucking things, you know, but it, it's, it's, letting, it's me letting that fear hold you back from doing what you want to do. You know, um, obviously, you know, two years ago, I just literally packed up everything, you know, got rid of my house, um, you know, I had them noticing my job, literally packed my life into a little bag and just put it on my back and just, you know, off to go traveling around the world, basically, wherever I wanted to go. And, and so many people will talk to me about like, oh, I, I, I'd be so scared. I won't be able to do it and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I, I was nervous. I was literally just going on my own, didn't know anybody out there um, and, and was, you know, just planning on sort of like <laughs> doing whatever I was doing. I didn't have a plan, I didn't have any sort of thing. And that really scares some people. But I'd say to them people, it's just, you know, give it a go. Just, you know, not everybody's going to have, like Jeff says, you know, I've, I've got quite a lot of confidence in myself as well. So, you know, I can face my fears maybe better than some people can and, and depending on what fears you have. But um, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people that always likes to challenge those fears and, and, you know, 
try new things, even though I'm nervous about doing it because I'm, I'm going to suck at it and I hate sucking at anything. You know what I mean? I always want to be one, one of the best doing whatever I'm doing. So, you know, having that fear of not being not being as good as what, I, what other people are, um, that's one thing that, that, that sort of scares me a little bit. So what I do is it, that forces me to get better at everything that I do. So it's just facing that fear. I, I also believe believe that it's one of the one of the best ways to live is you know you know challenge yourself in the things that you're a little bit nervous and a little bit scared about and getting over those will bring you way more confidence in life so and it goes for absolutely everything whether it's you know in 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 your you know relationships in your sex life and stuff whether it's you know in martial arts and if, if it's in business if it's in you know just general life everything whatsoever if you, if you you face some of those fears that you've got and then manage to conquer a few of them, it's going to just open up the whole world to you. Well, this is what I think me and you first spoke about, Carsten, is whether the respect for what you've done and what you still do really inspires me in the sense of the idea of getting in a cage and fighting is pretty like, you know, it's a bit you know unsettling, but I don't mind doing that. The idea of packing yeah. up my life and going traveling scares a life out of me. <laughs> talking to you know talking to people and girls and stuff going fuck that fuck that noise but anyway that's another conversation but jeff there's something you said there which pricked my ears up a bit of fearlessness but i liked how you ended it with saying it's, the awareness is still there because when people say they aim to be fearless that comes across very reckless and sort of oblivious sort of naive sort of thinking, okay i shouldn't why am i scared of anything i just walk in this i don't know there's, there's a window there if i jump out of it i'll be fine i'm not scared all right no that's not what you want but this is no, the, yeah. the whole thing of it's not the want i can't think of who's i'm plagiarizing now but it's don't look for the absence of fear but look for the courage to deal with it and everything else and again yeah. when it comes to a lot of these sort of situations are you familiar with um carl jung or sort of joseph campbell you'll hear these a lot of archetypal stories about people who the same sort of stories you'll see being played out from other people and a lot of these come from the cave you this is a quote i live by the treasure you seek is in the cave you fear to enter what you're scared of you'll be resolved from where you where the source comes from if you're scared of mma because of the class intimidates you because you don't want to go there because people make fun of you they'll laugh at you they'll say this that and the other and you go there and they're not even paying attention to you you're just in a, just in a big group and you realize okay what was i scared of oh look you're not nervous anymore you're not anxious anymore about going there because you know what's going to happen like again it's understanding facing these fears sort of head on and on top of that when it comes to certain scenarios there's another sort of analogy of face a dragon at its lair before it gets to your village that these problems will sort of dawn on you. And if you don't address them soon enough, they can really become a problem if they face there and then on your own terms, not sorry, not, not on your terms, that sort of thing. Mm. That's where these conversations get very powerful and very prominent. And obviously, again, to preface, this is all very specific, uh, specific to the individual. Not everyone's got the sort of responsibilities. They can just sort of do certain things like this. So again, we're not saying leave your kids, run away to Thailand, but you know, if that's what you're going to do, you know, you can, don't be scared about it. You'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this is sort of where these points get really interesting. And this is why I like the, there's a thing of borrowed wisdom. You see a fancy quote on Instagram. You think, okay, this is what I live by. I swear by it. Happy days. But then you're pissed off and that quote, what it meant is completely irrelevant now because you're not abiding by it. But it's the retrospective, awareness of this so the fact you've had these experiences now you've got your tangible you've got your own work your own version of a reworded quote that if carsten says face your fears and go traveling that's the same as all this other stuff because he's found his own experience with this much like yourself jeff and this is why these conversations have that much more weight with that much less being said because again having applied the nice fancy words and actually doing what those things mean is so much more valuable than a long poetic sort of sentiment about it. The fact you actually did it, people 
respect it a lot more. Now, what was the next point you want to go into? It was something along the similar vein, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, um, so the other one was um, Heart of a Hustler. So the Heart of a Hustler, it just means hustling, you know, you, you, you're trying to achieve something. Like you, for example, with the podcast, um, you, 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 you've achieved a lot in terms of uh, what you've done because I've seen the growth and it is quite impressive. So I know you, you looked up to someone um, Joe Rogan, that's a very common podcaster that we, we kind of look up to. So obviously you, you saw what other podcasters have done and you decided to make your own version of that. Similar with me, I, I like fashion a lot um, and I like things to do with the army and all that kind of stuff. So as you can see, I'm wearing a camo top. With I can't see it, mate, sorry. Logo on it. Yeah, see that? <laughs> so you can see Christmas too, whatever, whatever. But, but, but still, so, so, so the, the, the heart of a hustler is you, you see whatever it is out there that impresses you um, and you make it your own version. Because I say this, if someone's done something out there, you've got an opportunity to do it yourself. You may not achieve the same level of success. You may do much more than they did, you may do less than they did, but you still have an opportunity to do that. And that's where the heart of a hustler comes in. It's down to you how far you go or how much you put into it. Now, for me, when I started this uh, T3F, I, I didn't think it was going to be whatever it is today because the idea came to my head. I was in Taiwan, um, I think it was in January 2019, something. Yeah. And I texted my sister, I told her, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to doing events and I'm going to start making clothes again. And within seven days, I had the website up, I had the social media accounts up and everything. Um, and I capitalized again. So this is where you, you spot opportunities and capitalize. So I knew my 30th birthday was going to be on the 25th of April. Um, so I decided I'm going to launch it that day because I knew a lot of people were going to be present. So that's the event side of things being taken care of. And at the same time, the clothing side of things being taken care of. So people will see my friends wearing the same items that I'm wearing. And that's going to kill two birds with one stone. So that's where the heart of a hustler comes in. I'm not the first person to do events. I'm not the first person to make t-shirts, but I saw a lot of people do that and I decided to make my own version of it. Carson, even, I remember um, there was one time you made a couple of t-shirts. This was a while ago. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I saw those things from, from a distance and I always told myself, I'm going to do this again because it's not that I started doing this in January 2019. I was making t-shirts in 2009 in university. We'd go to watch um, rugby, uh, Twickenham, I took them sevens um, whenever Kenya comes to play. So I'd sell t-shirts to my friends. Um, and also I'd see the older, the older guys do events after parties, after these uh, events, uh, after these rugby games and so on and so forth. So I was just watching all these people over all these years. And then I felt the time was right. Um, in January 2019, said I'm gonna launch this. Um, and I did it two years down the line, we're here now. I don't know how far this is gonna go. But I get the heart of a hustler. You just have to keep pushing. You just see whatever's out there that impresses you and make it your own version. So, yeah. There's a lot of the whole structure and order and the, the mix is needed to make it work. And again, it's the understanding that if you have this difference between chaos and freedom is you have that structure, you know where to go from it. So again, you've got an idea of what you want. That's your structure. Then you have your own version. You have to say where well, you want to do it. That's how your art comes across. And again, without that structure of saying, I've got to do all these things without a template or something to play with, it's just everything all everywhere. It's just chaos. But again, this is where this 
sort of hybrid works. Again, this is where, whilst I'm going, by the way, feel free to interrupt if I get anything wrong or misinterpret anything. But a lot of with this in itself, I like the idea of a template set by someone else that you're happy to, you know, agree this is something they've done, but this is my version of that thing. And this is a huge thing with the podcast in itself, because again, this is my art form in the sense of, okay, I keep saying in the sense of what we're on with it. It's longer form. It's a proper conversation. It's not an interview. It's a very different thing. And again, this is, it's not Joe Rogan. It's not Dan Strauss. It's not whoever else. Yes, I've taken inspiration from them. I like certain things they do. I don't like other things they do. And this is my sort of boiling point. It's sort of the melting pot of everything else. And this is why the way you say that really resonates with me and myself. Because again, the ideas I'm having to expand further and further and further come from other things other people have done. And it's the whole Oscar Wilde thing that if I've seen further, it's because of the shoulders of giants. But where I struggle with people is where they don't accept that. So they don't give credit to where credit is due. I don't have to sign away half my life to everyone who's given me an idea, but I give this give a pat on the back saying that was a quality idea you've had there. I'm going to give my own crack at it. And the casting with yourself, with obviously tattooing and art in general, how have you found that balance with applying, I don't know, like creative license to other people's templates and ideas and everything else? How do you stay original when it comes to, I don't know, being honest and everything? <laughs> No, it's a, it's, a, it's a good point. It's a tricky one, especially in tattooing. Um, I, I say this quite regular. There's, there's no original tattoos anymore. You know, every single tattoo and every style of tattooing has all been done before. And that, that goes with pretty much most things in life. You know, fashion comes back around. You know, styles of music kind of come back around and, and stuff like that. But yeah, within, within the tattooing industry, there's no real new versions of style. You know, there's slight little spin-offs of it, but it's it's all kind of been done before. Um, and 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 again, it's you know, a lot of the way tattoos are done nowadays. You know, you don't walk into a shop with loads of loads of flash all over the walls, and you walk up to the wall and go, "Oh, can I have that one, please?" Because that's how it used to be, sort of like in the '80s and '90s and stuff like that. You'd walk in the shop, you you kind of had a vague idea of you know, I wanted a Tasmanian Devil or a you know a British Bulldog back in the 80s or 90s again. That's it. Um, or sort of tribal. Oh, well, tribal. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> the wall full of tribal. There's a wall full of Tasmanian Devils. There's a wall full of Bulldogs. And you kind of went up to one of them. I want that one. And the tattoo's like, okay, cool. Just cut on your arm and tattooed it. And that's fine. But nowadays, it's a lot more... People want it to be a lot more personal, but they still see tattoos that they like. Like, you know, like Jeff was saying, you know, I saw somebody doing some T-shirts and I thought that was a cool idea. So I do my own spin off it. So people come in with an idea and it's obviously normally it's on the phone. And well, nowadays it's all sort of online now. And people will send you a photo and be like, this is kind of what I want. And, and you'd be like, okay, cool. And, you know, as an artist, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I can do you some, something like this but I'm not going to do you exactly the same because I'll redraw it myself. Um, so it's, it's, it's doing the interpretation on your own, having your own version of what's already been done because everything's been done before. So it's just making sure that you put your own sort of spin off on it and your own kind of personality into that version of what they want to have. And that's, that's the only way you can kind of do things these days. And that goes for everything. It goes for tattooing. It goes for, you know, bring it back to martial arts since we all do martial arts is you're, you're watching amazing, you know, martial art fight, whether it be MMA or submission grappling or jujitsu or whatever. And you'd be like, Oh, I really like the way he fought. I like his style of stand up. I like his style of grappling. And then you'd be like, right, I want to try that style and you do it. But it, obviously you can't do it exactly the same as that person. So you do your own version of it. Same as a tattooing, same as a t-shirt. It's the same as everything in life. As long as you've got your own personality and your own spin to it, 
that you're not copying anybody. It's your version of what you've already seen and you liked and you've developed on it on yourself by putting part of you into it. Oh, 100%. And then your emotional investment and your personal touch and even the flaws to an extent, this is what makes it yours, your own identity. It's not going to be all neat and crisp blind sometimes. Sometimes it'll be a bit, you know, a bit more jagged, a bit more freestyle. Whatever it's going to be, again, it's whatever you've done with your own input is going mm. to be yours. And that's sort of the point. That's the beauty of it as well. And when it comes to martial arts, take it back on brown with MMA podcast. Why not? It's not MMA podcast, but anyway, we move. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you get a collective term of grappling. And yeah. if you go to the Piaget sort of idea of constructivism that you can't compare judo and jiu-jitsu because they're not the same thing. However, if you say they're martial arts, you say they're grappling, yes, they are the same thing. And again, they come under the same sort of umbrellas. You see the similar sort of techniques. You see application different. You see concepts. And the reason I'm going into this sort of detail is you can play around with certain concepts. Certain things will come out of other areas. And you'll see this a lot. I think it was Russell Brown talking about this, about how you hear stories from different areas of the world said in a different format, but it's the same themes. So the unknown is known as either the deep, dark water, the forest, this sort of thing. These stories have got very similar principles, varying the archetypes again, the sort of stories told by the individual characters. And when it comes to martial arts and development and general creativity, there's going to be the same sort of concepts here, there and everywhere. Someone has got that premise to then create that next sequence and so on and so forth. I do this, ergo something that has to happen. Either you react or don't react in a certain way. And then that happens and just keeps inspiring. And these chain reactions create further and further art. So prime example, Carsten, the tattoo you've done for me, the idea I had versus the way you've drawn out and even the way you tattooed it, they aren't the same. However, I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to articulate what I meant. You uh, interpreted what I thought, what I said anyway. And now we've got this happy medium of, okay, this is what actually it should look like. And again, I love it. And this is in itself is that point of you've got concept and premises from things you've done before. And then when you're given a new stimulus with similar attributes, you can then draw the same similarities. You've got the yeah. concepts I gave you for the, the tattoo in itself then your own interpretation, for example, like the shading, the line work and everything else you've done is very personal to the way you like to tattoo, the way you like your sort of styles. Style, give, yeah. Exactly. I'll give you the template for something I want to sort of do. And again, between the two of us, we've decided the sort of style you want to go for. Well, even that, I've, I wouldn't even give myself a fraction of that credit. Again, it's sort of saying, I'm saying this sort of idea is the premise. I gave you less is more and you had your own, inter- art, own artistic interpretation of that. And this is the whole chaos and order. If I say it to Carsten, tattoo me, here's 100 something quid or 200 something quid, he's going to say, okay, now what? what? Where, what, when, why? Always sort of questions, as anyone would. It's like when you ask someone how much is a sleeve and they slap you in the face and that's not a question. And it's, it's sort of that point. Okay, I want this section of my leg. I want X amount of work. I want this sort of theme. Here's your space. Here's what I want. Go. <laughs> then you can have freedom. You can have creativity. You can have art. Without that, it's just chaos. And that's the whole chaos and order thing. You'll see that time and time again, loads of different stories. And again, if it's Mason, like I'm repeating myself, it's because it's been repeated in different areas as well. So uh, I have to then repeat the same point that's been highlighted again, this sort of pattern recognition. And so where you're sort of saying your sort of stories, Jeff, about seeing these patterns in themselves as being a hustler and everything else, that comes down to the story you're telling yourself, that, okay, this is who I am. I am the person who finds the pattern in this situation. Okay, in a pandemic... I'm going to go buy me some toilet roll, some hand sanitizer and stand outside um, Sainsbury's and make me some money. <laughs> Ethical or not, happy day, he's got some pocket money. You see what I mean? You, yeah. see, you see common teams, you sort of run with it. Um, yeah. What was the next point, sorry, you had on um, 
Yeah, so I've got two points left. Um, the, the next one was constructing your crew. Um, this one's from Hustle Harder, Hustle Smart. So constructing your crew, you, you need to have the right team around you to make sure that whatever you're working on actually turns out to be the best, um, the best version of whatever it is. Uh, very simple example for us is your fighting team. When, when, you're, when you're preparing for a fight, your training partners are very important uh, in regards to what's going to happen on fight night. If they don't push you hard enough, um, you may not perform to your best, but if they push you too hard, you may burn out. So you need to find a balance where everyone kind of does whatever suits you uh, when you're preparing for this fight. Um, so for me, I've got, I've got a good team around me. So over the years, I've trained a lot of people across the world, but I'm a point where I know exactly what I need. So I've got cast in there, I've got guys like Alex, I've got guys like Carl Booth, guys like Nico. I've got, I've got a nice team around me, but it's taken a lot of practice, trial and error to see this works for me, this doesn't work for me. But eventually I've got a good team around me. Um, same thing with my other businesses, um, like uh, T3F, for example. Um, my DJ, uh, the way I found him, it was by happenstance. He came to one of my fights and um, he turned out to be a pretty good guy in terms of doing the music thing. So we're actually over here with him. Um, so I've, I've done a lot to kind of help his career get to the next level. And he's also done a lot to help me kind of get to the next level because as much as I love music, um, I don't have the time to be, being, to be a DJ, whatever it is. Uh, I still enjoy it, but at least I can live through him that way. So I've got a good team uh, in that sense. Um, I've got him and then the T-shirts, the factories I'm working with, um, the people helping me come up with, that, with all these ideas. Um, so yeah, just making sure that you've got the right people around you to make sure that the vision kind of comes um, into fruition. And uh, again, another one regarding um, uh, Marvel business, that again, the media, the web design kind of thing. Um, I had to build a team around me because making a website, it requires a lot of elements. On average, any project that I work on has three or four people involved. So you've got the guy who designs the logo. Um, you've got the guy who puts it all together, which is me. Uh, you've got the copywriter who writes the content. Um, you've got a photographer. So there's all, all these different elements. I've had to work with a lot of people to find uh, people who are actually on the same page as me in terms of work ethic, in terms of understanding new ideas and concepts and so on and so forth. So constructing a team, it takes a lot of time, a lot of trial and error, but you need to have the right crew around you. Um, so yeah, that's, that's very important. You just need to make sure that the people that are surrounding you are seeing things, not necessarily through the same vision as you, but they somewhat understand what you're trying to achieve. Because it just makes everyone's life easy. And the last, and this is the most important point, um, this one's from, one second. This is from the 40 year laws of power. Uh, your reputation. So much depends on your reputation. Guard it with your life. I'm very aggressive when it comes to my reputation because I know it takes a lot of time to build your reputation and you can lose it in an instant, you know? And you can lose it in various types of ways, being around the wrong people, you know, saying the wrong kind of thing. So all these things tie in together. Like I said earlier, conceal your intentions, um, always say less than necessary because you may say the wrong thing that ruins reputation. So you need to cut the reputation at all costs. 
And the best way to do that is to say less. You know? Don't say too much, say less. So yeah, that, that's, that's very important for me. That's, that's the biggest point that I'll let people know. Your reputation is very important. You think about this. If you go to a bank uh, to get a loan, they run a credit check on you. That's a reputation, isn't it? Anything you do in life is based on your reputation. Most of the things you do in life are based on your reputation. People always check it up on you. If you're getting car insurance, they'll ask you, have you had any accidents in the last five years? Building up a no claims bonus, that's a reputation. So everything in life, everything that's important anyway for me um, is based on your reputation and you have to guard it by any means. You know, So that's one thing I'll leave you with, guard your reputation by any means. So before we so go into further detail, that's quite a that was a weird echo. I don't know what that was. Can you hear me okay? So that was really weird. Yeah. Um, I want to go into the group first, the um, the mm-hmm. people around you first. Then we'll go into that because yeah. there's a lot of both I really want to dissect. Before I go yeah. to dissect everything, Carson, I think you want to chime in with before I go on a mad one. No, mate, go for it. You go for a mad one. All right, here we are. Um, Jeff, do you ever play a lot of video games, any sort of RPGs where it's very attribute-based, where it's so-and-so's got X rating for this why waiting for their strength, power, so on and so forth? Um, not really. I prefer like action games, things like Batman, you know, Spider-Man, you know. Okay, I'm that's fine. Of... The reason I'm saying that is more the analogy I like to use for these things. So if you're going to have any kind of team, you need to understand where certain people's strengths or weaknesses are. And this is why you've realized, are you, are you familiar with the Gymshark, with the guy Ben Francis who started it and runs it? Yes. So, yeah. so I've got, the world of time for him and there's loads of things he says i love and one of it is him being openly honest with where his areas are lacking and instead of letting the ego overwhelm that i'm the boss i should do this it's okay you're better than me at that you do that cool no problem and especially when it comes to building these teams understanding the team you need to understand after an honest conversation with yourself where your strengths are where your weaknesses are and by weaknesses development areas but terminology is another conversation for now but again you understand where the gaps are and where you can fill them. And I feel understanding that and having those conversations are so, so paramount to being able to develop in any sort of way, shape or form. And on top of that, it's then reevaluating and not feeling the need you can't. So like I was saying there with fight camps, if so we're doing star, we're doing belts, why not? Say if you're at a blue belt level, would you, you need to have a mix of people. You need to have the white belt to test the newer things you're less familiar on less resistance the purple belt to get a more sensible level of resistance where you're going to be caught out but you're going to still be able to hang to a certain degree and obviously the brown and the black to then help guide you and obviously the things you're trying to really nail down to you get that extra level of focus but again if you're say your web design and everything else is that like a white belt level however your sales and your selling and again your voice is that at least a purple belt level there's not much point you investing all your time in learning all the web design stuff when you can double down on something you can really do well at. And again, you understand where the gaps are in certain areas and filling in these gaps. So I like that a lot. And on top of that, outside of ability, it's the attitude and obviously the mindset. Cause there's a, there's a recurring theme of if you want to see your future, see your friendship group and you see how they act, how they hold themselves, where they're planning on going. Because if you're with people who settle, people who don't really want to aspire to certain things. And again, all of this is very relevant to where you want to be. If someone wants to be happy where they're at, that's their life. And there's nothing, you're no better person for having more or less in certain things. I'm making that clear. But regards of where you want to get to, there are things that are helpful towards that and things that aren't. If people around you are aspiring to grow and develop and expand, happy days, crack on with that. And if they're not, maybe they're not the right people to be around with. 
they're not bad people, but again, there's habits that are going to help your goal and things that won't help your goal. And I think having those conversations are very important. And with the reputation, the points you're making there, I liked a lot because reputation is a fairly ambiguous thing. Like if you were to describe your reputation now, you'd go off of um, opinions, certain things. There's not a lot of tangible things you can really say. This is how I physically am. You can see it's because of X, Y, and Z. But the way you articulate that, I loved. Because again, you've got credit checks. You've got physical things. I have shown record that I have paid on the day, this, that, and the other. I have not been in debt for X amount of time. I have done this. I fight records, they get ambiguous because again, yes, you've beat so-and-so, but if you beat 10 journeymen, you're not a fucking A-class fighter. You're just, you know, got 10 in a record. But again, this is the where... You, cans are crushing cans. But this is the further understanding of what these words mean and the rest of it. So with that, I'll leave the point with how you do anything is how you do everything. And again, you invest that energy, you invest that habit, you invest the way you're manifesting things. So when people ask how I do a lot of things like the fighting, the working full-time training, everything else, the way I articulate that very clearly is I've got a lot, I've got a pie of my time. I've got segments for things I do. When I'm in that segment, it's laser focus. When I'm in this podcast right now, I'm having this conversation. I'm not doing, I'm not doing push, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not reading a book. I'm not playing my guitar. I'm not doing anything else. I am narrow-minded. I'm on this close. I'm listening to you guys. I'm not listening to anything else. The time's been allocated. I'm not worrying about anything else. How I'm doing this is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be, you know, present. And I feel you need that, especially when it comes to you and yourself and marine adventures. If you try to make everything, say you're MMA fighting. If your DJing was like that, if your media was everything like that, everything else was like that, that wouldn't make sense because... It's not, it's not part of the same brand, but it's still you doing it. You have that same energy and same input, and that's not the same thing. It's the energy and the input and what you give to it and how you give to it is the point. I don't, my fisticuffs merch and the podcast itself aren't the same thing. How can you articulate a conversation of hours of content into a pair of shorts you wear when you kick someone's head in? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Cast any points to add in there? Because I was sort of went on for quite a while. No, no, no. I, I agree with both of you completely. Um, I, I like the way you're saying that you, you, know, you, you, um, you book it down into sections. You know, when you're doing your podcast, you are focused on your podcast. You're not thinking about, you know, what T-shirts you're going to sell and what fight shorts you're going to sell. Or like you say, doing push-ups and, and, and shadow boxing and stuff like that. And it's, 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 how you, it's how you get better and how you, you, like Jeff said, build that reputation for being good in that area is is you you give yourself 100% to that one thing that you're doing at that time and yes you can split yourself into you know five different projects but you can't split yourself and do all five projects all at the same time you have to you know give yourself this section to do this project and this section to this project project and without doing that you don't get better you don't get a better reputation so no perfect what both of you guys said just just fit perfect amazing as to say with these conversations i want to make sure what i try to pick out and try to understand isn't critique as such as more to understand a sort of pressure test a little bit and i like the way we've been able to articulate go back and forth on certain points it's been a really useful conversation now it's a bit cautious of time so jeff regards of your businesses and people reaching out to you and any questions they've got this is any of the points you want to make how could people find you yeah um you can find me i'm very active on instagram so at Jeff Ogendo, so G-E-O-F-F-O-G-E-N-D-O. Uh, my website, 
um, a personal website for the business um, is ogendo.co.uk. That's O-G-E-N-D-O.co.uk. And then for T3F Live, that's T3FLive.com. Um, yeah, you can also, there you go. <laughs> the logo there, you know, representing all day. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's all I can say. Um, I've, I've experienced a lot of things, but we're definitely going to do another podcast in a couple of weeks when I'm back in the UK um, because it's been a very enlightening experience. And uh, I hope you guys have uh, kind of taken something from me today because I've taken it from you today. And uh, yeah, we just keep doing this, teach others because the more we learn, um, the more we need to teach. We've got a duty to teach others because someone took the time to teach us all the things we know, so we might as well give back, you know. 100% so, yeah. pay it forward is a huge thing and even when it comes to teaching a lot of how I articulate anything I try and say to other people is I'm not be- better or bigger than anyone else but what I have done is I've made mistakes and this is the mistake I made so if you want to make it yourself that's your own, that's your own problem now but I've told you what I've done wrong crack on yeah. <laughs> cast and yourself yeah. obviously cast and M Lendroir on um, Facebook and Instagram cast and Lendroir well, I was going to say, I'm pretty clued up on that by now. And obviously, guys, Fisticuffs <laughs> underscore podcast and all social media platforms. Um, rash guards are en route. Shorts are in stock. Masks are in stock. Um, big things on the horizon. Stay tuned. Stay positive and make sure you stay grateful. All right. Take care, guys. Links to all those will be in the description. <laughs>